for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. It's the second part of our series, Archery Elk Hunting from Response to Release, Connecting the Dots. And on tonight's show, we're focusing on those variables and questions concerning the setup itself to the point that just before the elk starts coming into your range, the difference between a good and a bad setup, what exactly is a stop and scan spot? Positioning yourself according to the wind and what if cover is really limited? Do I call or do I stay silent? What if a bull locks up at 80 yards? Yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. It's time to connect those dots, Elk Bros style. Those topics are Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy our show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you live from the studio here in Spring, Texas. And that's right, from Katy, Texas and the DFW area, we've got the Venezuelan Mafia in the house. And from Chivo Town, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Mr. Eric Aragon the elk assassin himself. And from Cimarron, we've got the elk hunting coaches that are ride ready to go. It's the ninja Leroy Chavez and WWJGD Joe Gillia is in the house. What's going on, fellas? I'm just glad they let Luis out uh, today on, on you know, for a, for a visit from prison, man. He's got his prison yeah, I, just, I snuck out of jail almost trying to kill Monano this weekend because he gets on my nerves, man. Yeah. I got to say a little something about that. The y'all were on fleek this weekend, boys. And if y'all don't know what that is, you better look it up. Cause I'm telling you, the mafia was out and then piggies were in trouble, man. I personally saw two of them 
foul swines die by the sword of these boys. These <laughs> Venezuelan mafias are nasty on the Marano's Wait a second, though, man, because we are going to bring in some other folks, too, again. All right. All right. Now, hey, we got some other folks coming in. Guys, again, we have those special guests joining us right here in a few minutes, man. I want you guys to meet. Well, we got one up there. Well, we got Dan and Jason. Where's Jason at, man? Jason. Here he comes. There he comes. There he is. Hey, guys, this is Team Arizona, and guess what? Um, we have somebody on the phone that's kind of a surprise to everybody. Uh, is, is our caller out there? Can you hear me? Oh, I'm here. Who you hey, got there, Joe? We got Troy, man. Troy, Troy. Is the, the 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 man, the the face, the living legend behind Hunt Wars, man. Oh, He's man. the one out cool. there that's rooting and tooting and doing the show and and getting these guys pumped up. Troy, that's way cool. I thought I thought he sounded like RC initially, and like I was like, uh, you can call me. Hey, you can call me RC. Well, let don't me see call a you late for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Troy. Welcome, yeah, Troy. Welcome, Troy. Hey, hey, thank you, guys. Actually, coming to you live from Antelope Camp here in New Mexico, out wow. by Roswell, hoping we don't get abducted by aliens. But uh, <laughs> we're ready if to you like me, just let me go. I promise you. Just so you know, Manano and I are putting in for the next antelope hunt. Just, just saying. Uh, but All I'm the right. shooter. I'm the shooter. Manano is just going to carry my gear and coop. <laughs> yes. oh, he I mean, he's not deaf. He just doesn't have a picture up right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Roy, it's phenomenal what you guys have done, man. We've been super big fans of the show. Phenomenal. Uh, the concept is so cool. And just how we got involved in it is, I mean, I don't know if Joe's had a chance to tell you, but it, it all started for me asking Joe to go on the show. It, it, he and I, you know, and, well, it's, uh, it's cool to hear. I actually listened to your last podcast and yeah, I mean, the first conversation me and Joe had, it was like, we were longtime friends and it was, uh, it was kind of an answer to a question that I had from season one. It was really crazy how, you know, Joe's probably one of the best salesmen I've ever come across, but he called and said, Hey, you know, I think there's a need here where we could better prepare your teams. And I literally was just barely talking to our other partners about it and saying, Hey, I think we could incorporate some really cool coaching into this and get some real time coaching, you know, for guys, not only on the show, but outside the show. So it was a match made in heaven, me and Joe. Man, I, I, feel, I feel you, dog. <laughs> really, because Joe's been my match made in heaven for a long time as far as elk hunting goes. I mean, you know, when we talk about guys that can call elk and understand their – understand, you know, the language and everything, Joe's – you know, they broke the mold. That cat – I've said this a thousand times. Uh, one of the guys that got me into elk hunting, you know, he said Joe could make a bull made of black stump, and I promise you I've seen it in action, <laughs> brother. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Troy, Troy, I, I want you to know, Troy, we're not recording yet, and we don't have anybody from the season on the show. And you've seen all of the contestants. So we're kind of interested on your feel for who's going to come out of that group, man, on the cream of the crop, you know? Oh, my gosh. Um, all right. I'll give you a little insight. Um, I think 
<laughs> you got the, those AZ boys that have hunted down there and they understand that country. I think, uh, I think they're going to adapt to it a lot quicker. Um, I, uh, I also think you got some hardcore Wyoming and I, jeez, oh, I mean, those Wyoming and Idaho guys, you know, those guys, they, they yeah. grind it out. I mean, those guys. I'll tell you one, tell you one thing about team Arizona. If they kill a bull, that big Jay Zern, he can take him out himself. I promise you. Oh. <laughs> Put him on his damn back, son. Look at that, huh? Guns out, guns out. Let's hate the funds out. Whoa. Come on, Jay Zern. You coming to pack my elk out, son. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be your pack mule. So, yeah. Team Arizona's I, in the house. You know, it's funny because uh, elk hunting is, is a lot of skill and a lot of, a lot of you know, strategic moves and making the right moves at the right time. But there's also a lot of luck involved in elk hunting. So, oh, yeah. it just takes the right goal uh-huh. at the right time and those guys walking up the I right way. Yeah, I can, we can, I can see Joe got to make our own luck around <laughs> here, Baker. Listen, yeah. if we had to rely on luck, we'd have to rely on all the bad luck. I'm telling you, we wouldn't have any luck you at got, all, son. Right. So, you uh, guys would be a lot skinnier, probably. Oh, oh, Lord, yeah, I got plenty of it. I promise you. Oh, man. Uh, I, last year, so, you know, in camp, uh, Troy, last year in camp, it just threw us a huge curveball. And, I mean, we had six, seven inches of snow on the, you know, the 6th of September. And, I mean, it was crazy how it all threw us a, a big curveball. But I'm telling you, man, these boys that we ride the river with, they just – you know, they, they pulled their boots on like grown men and decided to get after it, and we knocked it out. And, I mean, it, it seems that looking at your teams, man, all these guys are fantastic. And just meeting Team Arizona and uh, the other guys that we've met, man, y'all are going to have a killer show. Oh, yeah, oh, we're, we, we're excited. We, we Oh, look, Arizona did pop up here, man. Oh, here they are. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and Dan, man. Say hello to everybody. Oh, of course. Hey, hey, oh, and you accidentally uh, actually, I think you were actually recording too, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Troy, if Joe's talking and his lips are moving, you might not want to believe everything he said. Yeah, you got to watch it. Well, luckily, I, uh, I. I didn't say anything I wouldn't regret. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right, man. I was going, oh, my. Smart man. Smart man. Yeah. Hey, hey, well, yeah. I mean, you could just be like uh, old Gilbert here, bud, because every every team that showed up so far, he said, we're in your corner, man. You guys are <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do that with all my softball players, too. I tell everyone, you're my favorite ball player, right? And they come up and say, well, you said that to what? I meant it. They're my favorite. Okay. <laughs> I haven't even heard the voices of these boys down here. Yeah, and exactly. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, thank you. Pretty cool. Whereabouts are you guys from in Arizona? Uh, Phoenix. Okay. Phoenix. Both of you? Yep. Live in oh. Mesa. How oh, long wow. you guys been hunting elk? Successfully or unsuccessfully? No, hell no. <laughs> hunting. <laughs> hunting elk. Yeah. Yeah, about uh, for me, about five years now. Oh, that's fantastic, dude! And you you guys guys drawn the White Mountains in Arizona yet? Oh, nobody does Uh, the White Mountains, dude. You got to be on the res to do that. So White White Mountains. Are are we are we talking legally or illegally? (laughs) (laughs) You don't want them Texas boys to know that. I can tell you that because they they'll be full of them over there. You can hunt that fence Uh, line there, but you know. So, guys, who was the one that put in? 
Uh, well, we both, yeah, we both put in, but my name was the one that got drawn. So, oh, so has that been an area of contention on, on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah, just like the shooter just like manano and me <laughs> just like everybody knows i'm gonna be the shooter so i mean just, that's good to see you guys i'm three out of three by the yeah. way yeah. yeah hey dan tell yeah. us man when did you watch the live show is that how you found out or how did you find out um yeah i actually i would have missed it if uh because of the time change jason texted me he's like hey it's gonna be on in about five minutes and i was like uh no it's gonna be in an hour <laughs> and so I, I flipped it on last second and then and got to watch it live. Otherwise, I would have missed it. Wow. I see it. So tell me, man, I mean, when he does that and the name, what was your reaction? Well, I didn't believe it. I, I thought Jason told me about the show a few months ago and told me to check it out. And I did. And he's like, yeah, I'm putting in I'm like you should put in too. And I, I put in my hundred bucks and I was like, yeah, I never win anything like this. There's no way. And then I saw my name pop up and I, my wife and I were watching it and she, she just about jumped through the ceiling when she saw my name come up. I just, I <laughs> was, that of, <laughs> was that out of excitement or complete disappointment? Cause I want, you know, I need to understand well, the emotions here. It could go both ways. At first, I think it was pure excitement, but uh, <laughs> then when she realized, it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, who's the shooter and who's the caller? Uh, I'll be the shooter. Yeah, Big Zarn over there. He's going to yeah. be the pack out. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be the I'll be the pack out guy. That was the caller. If I if I got drawn, I would have been the shooter. He got drawn, so he's a shooter. So oh, that's yeah, cool, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it's great. It like that. So yes, are, are you feeling any pressure with this whole, I mean, cause dude, when you have the caller roll, it's like the maestro, man, you're supposed to, yeah. be, you know, it, it, you gotta be pulling them by, man. Have you felt that pressure with that or? Oh, big time. And Dan keeps the pressure on me all the time. He's like, well, you know, I can get another partner if you're having a hard time. Great, slow down. You know, I got to tell you, you know, because I always hunt late, late season for elk. So it's, you know, end of November, there's no calling. So I, I haven't really, really called, but I got to tell you, man, the last couple of months being here on the show, like going from nothing to actually being able to make some noises has been really good. So we appreciate it. Yeah. yeah like, like we said on the last show, it just, it, it's about the same progress Manano has shown over the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's in hey, love uh, with me. So, so real quick, man, you're like in a bunker. Oh, yeah. Where are you, uh, Jason? What is that, man? All kinds of cool stuff hanging on the back there. He's got the freaking bunker. He's like, he's got ammo on top, man. That's freaking awesome. I told you, what brothers. I mean, <laughs> told you long before. Hey, hey he, he's a man of fashion. There's a lot of cameras. There you go. There, so. there you go. <laughs> See, yeah, somebody has it. I'm in my shed. So my, you know, I, I put a shed out in the back of my property and and because uh, my wife got so sick of having all my crap in there, oh, yeah. so I put a shell here. So I so I went I went overboard. If, if I do anything, I, I do it overboard. So, Good. Yeah. Thank so you. I, I did something stupid, and I just went. I went crazy. So I it looks way cool, dude. Out here. Thank you. Yeah. I, I like it, man. Yeah, Very it's a good cool. place to get away and escape. Yeah. He's even what do you guys do for a living? In there for when he's in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got the, I got the mattress. You can go right at He can't threaten like me with a good time, huh? Too. <laughs> can't threaten me with a good time. I got satellite yeah. TV, ammo, and whiskey. I'm good. I got, t I got TV. I got the and I got the whiskey, so I'm all good. Yeah, man. I, every, every, what do you guys do for a living? Uh, we both uh, do medical device sales. 
Okay. So, oh, wow. Man. You guys cool, work? I started with Smith and Nephew seven years ago, and that's kind of how we met. We both worked for them. And then I think it was like four years ago, Jason, you uh, went over to KLS. Yeah, yeah. About four years ago, I left Smith and Nephew, went to KLS. And, uh, but obviously, being hunting partners and buddies, you know, you, uh, you kind of never lose touch. So it was, it was good. Oddly, we've got, we've got the same birthday. And, you know, wow. so it's just, we got a lot of, we got a lot of weird connections. Well, so. uh, How long y'all been hunting together? Same birthday, 10 years yeah. apart. I want to ask you guys, man, a lot of people don't know. I mean, you guys, yeah, you're contesting <clears> on Hunt Wars, but you've already had some real cool things happening. Now, now we know we've done all this coaching stuff. I get to see you guys every week, but you've had some gear flowing into the house and stuff, haven't you? What's that been like? Oh, that's, Unbelievable. That's been pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, the brand new Prime Nexus bow, the Ooh. All the Phelps game calls. Uh, I, I got oh, a pack of last week to put on the bow. I'm so jealous, dude. That it's got to be real. like Christmas. So, Christmas so I saw a show where they would show up at camp, Joe, and then there would be like a tent already set up, and they had all that stuff packed up over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, are they just sending the stuff ahead of time now, or are they still going to find some additional trinkets when they show up to the camp? How does it work? How does that work, Troy? Um, so last year, because of COVID and it pushed us back so far, we had to do that. Um, it was, it was fun and it was really exciting for the video side, actual practicality, showing up to camp and having to put together a new spotting scope, a new bino harness, new yeah. binos, a new backpack. Like we had, uh, all that stuff shipped out early. So all these guys have got all their stuff early so they can practice with their binos practice with their bino harness have their tripod i mean leopold sent each of these guys probably a four thousand dollar package with spotting binos, eyewear um it was it was pretty cool to have them step up and really you know outfit all of our guys and then and so they've got sheep feet that got sent out to them bow spiders sent out to them i hate Um, you guys I hate you. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, and, and uh, we actually just set up all the prize packs here at the Antelope Camp, and you're talking, you know, a prime bow. So how this works, guys, is the shooter gets a prime bow, but wow. only the winning team caller wins a prime bow. So all these guys that are shooting in teams, they're competing <clears throat> for this prize pack that's got four teams competing for it. You've got – a prime bow, you've got a Kafaru pack for both guys. You've got a bivy from Canvas Cutter, a duffel bag from Canvas Cutter. You've got uh, – And you can stop right there, dude. I'm just getting upset Chris right Boots. now. It's just like you can just uh, – Come mean, on. Go home. These guys are going to get decked out with uh, – I mean, it's probably another five or $6,000 prize pack that these guys are going to go awesome. head-to-head for. Wow. Troy, so, so real quick, just for clarification, with regards to the prime bow, so every shooter gets one to go to the competition with, but if they don't win the competition, they get to turn it back, no, no, and then no. only the winner gets the prime bow? I didn't get that part. The, the no, so everybody, all the shooters get a prime bow to compete in the competition. Yeah. That's theirs. The winner. Oh, I got all you. All the spotters, all the callers have spotting scopes from yeah, Leopold. That was kind of our trade-off. Now, yeah, if the, the winning team, they get an additional prime bow for the caller. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. So 
That means we're motivation. That's it. <laughs> Jason's like, man, you better. We're dropping that. I need, <laughs> I need. I need another one. I need another bow. <laughs> hey, hey, Troy, how's, how's who doesn't? The, how's the scoring going to be done? I heard that there's deductions for far shots and stuff like that. Yep. But how do they? How yeah, do they we've, score uh, the rules? we've stayed with our same scoring. Everybody, you know, loved it last year. So what it is is it's total gross score. Okay. So if the animal grew it, we, we score it. Uh, the age gives them double points. So if they're five years old, they get an additional 10, uh, 10 points on their score. And then from zero to 40 yards is our sweet spot. They get zero point deductions for zero to 40 yards. After that, it starts deducting on their score. From 40 to 60 yards, they get 10 points deducted. From 60 to 80 yards, they get 20 points deducted. And 80-plus yard shots gives them 30-point deduction on their score. So a 330 bowl shot at 20 yards, could beat a 360 bowl shot at 80 yards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who, who's, who's, uh, I guess the cameraman will be the ones kind of like. Yep. He's the referee. In tabs. Gotcha. So there was a question on that, Troy. How many cameras are in the field with each team? Uh, well, we, we are having, last year we had two cameras, one with the caller, one with the, the, the shooter. And that seemed a little overboard. I felt like we were actually tripping over each other more than getting good footage. So this year, each team will have their own cameraman with them. Yeah. Just one, one per team. Oh, Did you guys one find the team. multiple cameramen were harder to be in the set with? with scent and everything else, movement, whatnot? Yeah, I thought that, you know, I'm, you know, last year my thought process was, you know, three or four, what's the big difference? But there is a big difference. Mm-hmm. And we found out really quickly that having four in the field was more noise, more scent. And so this year we felt like we can capture both pretty adequately, you know, uh, and we are going to have GoPros and we have tactic cams on each bow. We have GoPros that'll probably be worn by each hunter on their head. So we're going to have a lot of other footage that's real time ready to go with the shooter. And if the, the cameraman can get in range with the shooter, he's supposed to stick with the shooter. Wow. I can't wait to see it, man. You know, Arizona is going to be, uh, a tough team to deal with them boys from Wyoming and out West, they better get their stuff together. Cause yeah. well, we don't want Mr. Zern to be upset you either. Darn right. No, yeah, I guarantee it's a <laughs> wrestling competition. I'm on the big I may Zern just, I may just take the bow away from her. Right <laughs> Break their bow. Uh, right. I don't know if you guys caught, I don't know if you caught season one, but in episode yeah. three of the very first matchup, you saw two brothers that were exhausted. Yep. All, honestly, almost go yeah. to Yep. and that's you know if you're not passionate about elk hunting you're not doing it right so uh, that's the cool part about our show is we capture it as it really happens yeah. we're not going to hold back there's no dramatization there's no second chances there's no second shots like this is as real as it comes and these guys understand that the cameras are rolling all the time um we caught some some teams sleeping in last year i mean it got it got a little wild <laughs> well yeah tons of footage on on the sleeping in stuff troy i can't thank you enough for involving elk bros and you know all the my the whole crew of us man we're in such support of what you guys got going on we're huge fans and uh we're gonna be pulling for all these teams to do well and be safe and knock some bulls down man it's gonna be fun to watch 
you know, it's, it's really been cool to, to see things that I didn't even see as we were starting this pro partnership, you know, the, the, just Jason's comments earlier where he said, Hey, you know, I, I, I hunt elk in November. I I'm very familiar with elk, but I'm not as familiar with, you know, them in the rut. That's exactly why we did this partnership with the elk bros. Like I knew that we'd have some amazing hunters and every hunter that's a good hunter knows that they can always be better. And going through this course, I mean, these guys have had nothing but praise for Joe and for your guys' whole, whole collective and whole thing that you guys do. Your whole program is top notch. And it's been really cool. And the other thing is now all these guys have been on calls for months. So they know each other. So we're all coming to camp almost like buddies rather than, foes. you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, yeah. yeah, foes, friends instead of foes, because yeah. they've all known each other. They've already started razzing each other. I mean, I'm oh, on a WhatsApp, <laughs> WhatsApp, yeah. a WhatsApp that's like, holy cow, it goes nuts with a bunch of trash talk. So awesome, these man. guys are, are really, uh, really getting into the, the sport and into, into the, the excitement of the hunt. And I can't wait to see how this thing unfolds yeah i can't wait to see who's going to win the arm wrestling contest because cole <laughs> threw that out in the last call he's ready to arm around mr zern right there because yeah. yeah. might not be that's, that's where i'm that's where i'm putting uh, my money hey, i don't know about y'all no, don't, but don't, don't sleep on me dan is about four or five inches taller than me and about 40 pounds bigger. Okay. That dude is a monster. Wow. Oh, damn. I'm wearing a medium. Okay. You <laughs> got a little Cardi B in there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just a shmegula. Yeah. I took, I'm like, give me that shirt. Maybe look better. Dan's the big guy. That's the guy. He's got big step, big dude. That's a big guy right there. Wow. <laughs> Uh, uh, Troy, what's really cool is you're getting ready to get into antelope. So you guys are kicking off the hunt season right now. You're kicking off the hunt wars. Um, You guys are going to be doing stuff right from camp, and we're going to see stuff coming out on media and everything like that as it's happening, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the plan for all the camps this year is, you know, and I I was just talking to to Joe earlier today about it, and I had the idea of, hey, you know, we're going to have real-time information coming out of camp. I mean, from the antelope side, it's just going to be fun to get check-ins, live check-ins, talk about, hey, we knocked an antelope down today, so guys kind of understand um, what, you know, what's playing out in the field. But with the elk hunt being eight days, yeah. I, I can't wait to hop on and have Cole and some of the, you know, the other coaches there just chatting it up. Hey, what did your team have issues with today? And I actually think that will help other hunters that are out right now trying to figure out like what the weather's doing to the elk, how things are going. So you're going to get some live look in. And I don't know if Joe's told you guys yet, but we have actually, uh, we've told these guys the unit they're going to be in and it's unit 10. Unit 10 in New Mexico is where all these guys are going. It's come out, man. It's out here on the Ooh. show. I, you know, I, I it's so hard 10. for me. I'm like, I don't know if I should be saying something, but. Is it public or is it private land y'all are hunting? All public. All public. All public. Got you, man. Yeah. And so which, cool. you know, and, and one thing I want to throw out there is that, you know, and there's nothing Troy and I have talked to. You know, it's cool that we can be on public land with the DIY, um, but 
you don't know what state situations are, and the whole goal is to get these guys out there hunting elk and get groups of guys that are out there and have an opportunity. You know, I, I, I me myself, you know, <laughs> I, I would have liked to have drawn into a limited area. I would have liked to have drawn into a better area in New Mexico. We're OTC. We're going to make that happen. But the goal yeah. is to hunt elk, and if you can be in the best. I mean, we had guys in the Gila last year with elk screaming there, and yeah, that's difficult. You could be on the the a loaded ranch, but it's bow hunting, man. It's archery, and it's archery equipment, and there is not a gimme out there, man. There's just so many variables that can happen when you are a bow hunter, archery hunter, and that's why there's only a 10% success rate across the United States, man. You know, yeah. 90 out of 100 dudes are going home tag soup. So, yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, we do a lot of research on the area and we love the level playing field. That's what makes it, you know, the best competition out there is guys are showing up. They haven't had a whole summer to scout. They're going to get not even, you know, a a half a day They're a, it's a hunting scouting day is what we decided to do on this one. So these guys are showing up to camp and they are literally the next day in a brand new area, trying to put it together over an eight day span. And you guys know as much elk hunting as you've done, that's a feat. That's a, that's a, to be successful and do that in eight days in a new area. That's really saying something about your elk hunting skills. Uh, we're getting ready yeah. to do that, bro. It's getting hey, and, and I gotta, I gotta say something for for Dan and Jason, right? Um, and you guys are just leaving a dream, and please enjoy it for all of us who can't do what you guys are about to do, man. It's all about yes, the sir. memories. You guys are about to just live a few days out on the woods of incredible experiences that you'll remember forever. You're going to take with you to the graves and be able to tell these stories like to people that won't even believe you that you guys were able to do this. So um, please enjoy it. Have a ton of a blast, um, especially for those of us, again, who are super envious and hate the crap out of you for you know having this opportunity so no all the best man best of luck um i i really do wish that you guys regardless of who the winner is have an incredible friggin' time and then you know thank you an unforgettable time for sure and one last thing before we let you go troy um what where did your concept come from did y'all just dream it up one day or you know uh kind of actually it came yeah, it came out of the elk hunting woods. I showed up in Montana to a trailhead that I was brand new to. I didn't know anything about. And some other guys from Michigan showed up at the exact same time. They were packing up. We were packing up. And I literally looked at my buddies and said, this is Hunt Wars. We're going to freaking go against these guys. We're going back in the same basin. I, and I just said it out loud. I wasn't saying it was Hunt Wars like the the show. I was like, yeah. This is Hunt Wars. Like, these guys are going in the same canyon we are. They're going to be there the same three to five days we are. Like, this is the purest of purest. And we, we had talked to them, and they're like, yeah, we're brand new here too. And I'm like, we're going to see who gets it done. And that's where the whole concept was born. And and then I hooked up with Trent Crane and Will and, and Britt and those guys, and they're phenomenal partners and videographers. And so that pitched them on the idea. And that's where it's gone from. So 
congrats to all all you guys that uh, have teamed up to make this happen. And guys, we want to thank all of y'all for coming in and sharing some time with <clears throat> us. Uh, we're like like Luis said, man, we're just so excited for you. We're envious of you. Um, but most of all, man, we just want you to go out there and have the time of your life and and do it with all those other guys, man. And, and what I've seen, what I've seen of all this group and all those fellas, um, it's going to be like any <clears throat> other elk camp. I, I can tell you, man, we're all in elk camp together. We're just as competitive and give each other a hard time. And that is that is the cool part is that yeah. camaraderie. And you know, who knows? Y'all might come out of this with some friends for life. So yeah. that's, that's an extra on the side for that. Yeah. It, Mr. Troy, real quick. So uh, the very first Hunt Wars, who won it? You're saying mine or you're saying? Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you said this is Hunt Wars and then you were out yeah. and you were going. So who won? We, uh, <laughs> we, arrowed, we arrowed two bulls in seven minutes, both six by sixes, 320. Oh from the exact same spot calling. Wow. Oh, wow. Awesome. Those guys didn't tag out, but we killed two bulls in seven minutes from the exact same calling spot called bull. So are, Troy, are you going to be there on the hook coming out with us to help us out a little bit? I mean, <laughs> uh, I'll be, I'll be I need to rub on him. A little bit of that knowledge, a little bit of rub dub. Oh, he's going to bring the same rope he used on those two. So. Right. <laughs> they got, they got yeah, seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got no, seven uh, I'm yeah, I'm not allowed to uh, be out in the field with these jokers, but yes, I uh, I will be in camp and I'll be hanging out with the coaches. Awesome, man! Very cool, guys. Thanks hey, a lot for I'm, being here, man. And, that's uh, right. And and we're going to be watching. Mm -hmm. See you on TV. Uh, okay. Good luck. On the <laughs> Thank you guys for having us. Thanks for everything. We really luck, Dan. Good luck, Jason. All the best, brothers. Y'all shoot Thanks, straight guys. and keep grinding, boys. Pick a spot. Yes, sir. Y'all been great. Right. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you guys. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. Bye-bye. Later. Joe, that was so cool to have the boys on, man, and yeah. then to have Troy with them. Thanks a lot for doing that. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, uh, this whole thing <clears throat> is going to be something special. It really is. I mean, for, for all, all people involved. And, you know, the, the whole concept of it being – uh, a learning experience, an educational platform, a chance to help other people flatten their curve and see real people in real situations. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I just, I just love the whole thing. I love the ethics. Uh, I love the work ethic. Uh, I love the preparation part of it and the whole commitment by everybody behind the scenes and these guys that are going to be out there. So what a yeah. unit too, man bumps right up to the Arizona border. Yeah. Right on it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool up there, it's right? You know, you got the now you got the Zuni reservation. That's that's uh, that's land they're not able to go on. So, um, but there's a lot of great bulls come off that Zuni into that sea below there. So it's going to be a fun time, man. It's uh, it's going to be pretty doggone cool. It's going to be great for them. So let's get this rocking, awesome. Gilbert. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the Elk Bros shout out. Shout out. If you're shout new to our out. show, these are just shout out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. And I, and I know I don't have it on there, but guys, first up, we're going to start our shout outs with a tip from Bob Collins, the old Billy Goat himself, man. Here he goes. <laughs> hey, guys, this is the old Billy Goat with another tip for you this week. Hey, I want to talk to you about foot care. Us flatlanders 
think our boots are fitting good until we get out there and realize that our feet are sliding, you end up with blisters. Well, the guys that are getting hit that heavier, more steep terrain, do a lot more side hilling on the steep terrain, they probably got their boots figured out and they're not getting blisters like us flatlanders are. First thing we need to do before we leave home is cut your damn toenails. Too many guys got cuts the ends of their socks right in two. It's not a good thing. That means your, your toes are taking a beating when you're going downhill. When you get out there and you start going up and down them hills, your, your boots probably aren't broken in as much as you think they are, especially for the side hills. Stop every half hour and relace your boots from the toe all the way up guys do it the first couple days till you get that boot where it's not you're not getting any slippage still getting slippage sock liners 13 bucks these silk sock liners they make wool ones also but the silk ones seem to work the best for me they take the beating as opposed to your foot taking the beating see you stay safe guys <laughs> good stuff from the billy goat yeah good awesome. socks are a must good socks are a must yeah he that reminds me of Beto. Cut your dang toenails, man. Cut <laughs> the nails and bring, bring some moleskin with you, man. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Gorilla tape works good, too. Yep, gorilla tape, exactly. Yeah, I had never had a blister in my life until I actually went from tennis shoes to boots, and I was hunting up in the hills, and I never carried any moleskin. Luckily, you know, uh, a good friend of mine who I was guiding at the time uh, – <laughs> had some in there and he's like you know it's like hey i got some of this man and oh don primly saved the day for me that day and uh <laughs> and, and i keep some of that stuff now man heck yeah all right here we go yeah so this week's stop listening city is the largest geographical community in the state at approximately 35 square miles located at 3236 feet it has the highest elevation in central oregon this elevated feature makes it a winter wonderland for all types of snow-related recreational activities. This city is located in the valley of the Little Deschutes River, and at a po one point in history, it was named Rossland, and none other than Lapine, Oregon. Lapine, Oregon. No, that just shows you how things are relative, man. I mean. Uh, so I've been up in Colorado, and here I was looking at area with the guys from Hunt Wars, and then you talk about Oregon, and they're, they're, they have a winter wonderland that's topped out at 3,213 feet. <clears throat> and here we are in Cimarron in our low country, living at 6,500 feet. And then I was up in the low country of Arizona, I'm not Arizona, but in Colorado, that was starting at 8,500. So, you know, it's interesting how... You know, that stuff's all relative to where you are, man, because yeah. I guarantee you from sea level to that 3200 is a climb. But okay, next up. Founded in 1889, this city is known as the gateway to the Northwest. Thousands of trappers, gold miners, and settlers on the Oregon Trail travel through the area. It became a major trade center and transportation junction. The name came from the Shoshone chief who granted the railroad right-of-way through the Four Hole Indian Reservation. This is going to Pocatello, Idaho. Pocatello, Idaho. Pocatello. Did I spell it right, Shoshone? Shoshone. Shoshone, yeah. When you pronounce, you don't spell. Spell it and pronounce it. <laughs> but I, I, look, for those listeners, man, that made that on there, I would like a T-shirt that has Pocatello on it, man. That is a cool name. <laughs> Pocatello. Pocatello.
This next top listening city is the trailhead of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. It is located on Interstate 65 and is only 20 miles from downtown Louisville. Originally known as Billet's Lick for the Salt Lick discovered in 1773. It became Kentucky's first commercial salt works. The deadliest two-train collision occurred here in 1917, claiming 50 lives. Wow. Here in Shepherdsville, Kentucky. Isn't there a bourbon called Bullet Bourbon? Yeah, Bullet Bourbon, yes, sir. Yeah. It's good, too. Had a little snort of that from a time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Up next, right, Brother so Eric. You got it, man. This this town is a part of the Natchitoches uh, Micropolitan Area. I know. John Jackson Rains founded the town in 1851, <clears throat> and he named it after his wife, Martha Ann. Yeah. So the town every year hosts a good old days festival for two days in September, and they celebrate the past with activities for the whole family. They got games, live entertainment, arts and crafts, a parade, got a lot of good food. And the town attracts about 1,500 people, so it doubles in population for a couple of days. That's cool. So there's a big Elbro shout-out to Marthaville, Louisiana. Marthaville, Louisiana. Marthaville, Louisiana. The coon-ass people showed up tonight, Joe. Yeah, yeah they did. <laughs> you know, there was a famous baseball player. Well, it was a, a major league baseball player that was born in Natchitoches. His name was Jack Burley, so he was a pitcher. He was born in the early 1900s, around 1903, when he was 20 years old. Uh, he started his <clears> career with the Cardinals, and he pitched for the Cardinals and the Giants and the Phillies from 1924 to 1933, man. So they had a Major League Baseball player out of there. So What the heck, Eric? Are you the Louisiana people, the Louisiana people actually pronounce that city Natchitoches. Yeah. Wow. Are you are you a historian or something here, man? Because what's going on? I'm like, man, that's a long one, and I'm reading. It's like it's. Oh, wait a minute. He's he's he knows this by heart, man. What the heck? I, I looked it up, man. I want to see who famous people. Any famous people come out of there? And that's the guys. Arthurville, Louisiana. I'm impressed. Does this hey. all man? Does Very well. Kabat. Okay, and finally, our top. Our last top listening city this week is located in southern Texas and is close to the Gulf of Mexico. The area around the city is home to three prisons operated by the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. And I think they let uh, Louis out for the weekend. cracking jokes on me, man. What the heck? Cracking on you, dude. That's the, what? Uh, the, the original site on the Puesto River was first settled in 1830. Originally, it was named Maryville, but it was later renamed after Bernard E. B., who served as Secretary of State and Secretary of War for the Republic of Texas. In 1917, Hurricane Beulah dumped 30 inches of rain on the town of Beeville, wow. Texas. Beeville. Is this in Beeville. Beto, is this in B County? Uh, I don't know. I, it may be in B County, but uh, it's just south of Goliad there. Uh, headed south down towards uh, South Texas. But Beeville's a stop that, man, we used to hunt quail and whitewing every year when my grandfather was alive. We'd go down to Beeville and we'd hunt quail and whitewing uh, both there. Man, we'd hunt right behind the Kmart in Beeville. And I mean, awesome. we'd smoke <laughs> the whitewing, man. Oh, that's it was awesome. crazy. 
I mean, seriously, I could I could shoot the wall of the Dagum Kmart right there where we were hunting. It was cool, but Beeville's a really quaint little that's, town. That's convenient if you run out of shells. You Absolutely, yeah, it, it sure is. <laughs> it, it sure is Bee County, and we're going to yeah. be drilling some wells there. Yeah, cool. Bee cool. County, yeah, really good Mexican food in <clears throat> Beeville too, man. Yeah. I, I I was proud of Chav though, man. Chav, he just uh. Wait, wait a minute, you know, yeah, just, Chav, this is not the way this works, Chav. I mean, this is like all against Manano. I mean, this is can't. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Finally. All right, guys, let's start very rocking, man. Let's start rocking. So, um, we're in our series, Archery Elk Hunting from Response to Release, connecting the dots, and. Tonight, it's going to be, we're going to be from the setup to before the elk is coming into range. And again, remember, this whole idea is, you know, we know that everybody has those certain points, those certain things that they hear all the time, that you're going to you're going to go out and call. You're going to get a response. You're going to have a setup. Then you have an animal coming into range. And then you're going to prepare for that, and you're going to make a killing shot. And, but we're talking about, and, man, we are going to pull out all of the things that people would probably be asking questions. We have tons of questions that could come up in that phase there that those variables that are often going to trip people up. You know, so, you know, like when we talk about a setup, everybody hears that and they're like, okay, um, I, I have to set up. So, I, you know, guys, I, I hear you out there. How do I know where to set up? Are there any basic rules to a setup? Because that's what a lot of these people want. They just want to have a general idea of, you know, what and how do I do this? How do I know where? So let's talk about first the basic rules to the setup, because there are some that we're going to give you. Some are, you know, things that we take for granted, but we're, we're not going to do that right now. Like number one, anytime you're going to set up, what's number one? Don't get behind a tree and <laughs> don't put yourself in the sun. Don't, don't what? Yeah. Don't what? Don't, yeah. don't, yeah. don't uh, silhouette yourself. Huh? Yeah, yeah, don't silhouette yourself. But the most important thing, man, is to get in to where you want to have a setup, Joe, knowing how far, how close to get to that bull. Right? What's the first thing you're going to pull out, bro? What's the first thing? I mean, if, if you're getting ready to set up. My range. I'm a wind fan. My wind, wind checker, wind. man. Absolutely. Wind, wind checker, dude. Yep. No doubt. So if, if I ain't already done it. If you're well, in best case scenario, you got wind in your face and sun at your back. That's yeah. best case scenario. Yeah. So you guys, you know, and I, it's so funny. I think the first time that I hunted with Luis and Manano, I think that's one of the things that they remembered. It was right before I actually shot my bull. We're going through the little, what, what you called the creaky forest, right? And the the squeaky, squeaky forest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> weird names that yeah. Luis uses all the time. So we're going through and I turned to him and I was like, dude, man, perfect situation. Here we are going through this. I'm cow calling nice and quiet, sounding like, a, uh, and you're going to hear some strategy here because we had actually been to through our morning hunt. We had hit our morning part and what we did was circled way around to get the wind right and then go through what I knew. And that was a hike. It was Ooh. a big circle though. Yeah, it was a big he circle. You don't know what a circle is. <laughs> so the idea, though, was to go through that. And, man, as we're going through it, wind in the face, sun at our back, it was the perfect situation. And it was not five minutes later that all of a sudden, uh, I think it was Manano said, Joe, Joe, bull, bull. 
you know, yeah. and sure enough, we had a, a, a small bull coming right into the, into the calls, man, yeah. silently, just like that. So that's your, your best case scenario. Um, remember that elk want to see you. So when you are doing a setup, you have to identify possible hang up or stop and scan locations, right? And make sure that you are in your effective killing range from that location. So now in that sentence right there, are there things that people are going to go, well, what is that? Well, what is that? You know? Yeah, is, is a stop, stop and scan referring to you or or is it referring to the elk? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, well, the elk. So remember, elk want to confirm visually. <clears throat> so according to whatever terrain you have or vegetation you have is going to change every setup. I mean, your terrain could be rolling. Uh, you could have thick vegetation. You could have those open pines that are kind of open underneath where they can see a long ways. All of that's going to determine a lot in your setup. But what they want to do is... And Joe, if you got a caller or you're a single guy, right? Correct. A solo Absolutely, hunter, man. It'll, it'll because depend. if you are solo, then there's things that you have to consider that you can get away with when you have a partner because yeah. you can actually be in more in that open area and a caller way back behind you to pull them by you right it's really so, important if you're the caller that the elk can't see you you know the, you can it doesn't really matter if you can see him but he cannot see you and sure. one rule that we get and, and we'll tell you guys for when you have a partner scenario a caller and a shooter how close that collar is to that shooter is according to how thick that cover is. Because if it's very thick cover, that collar is going to want to be closer because it's harder for that bull to see. And yeah. he's going to want to come in and you're able to see what your shooter's doing at a closer range and pull them right to your shooter. Whereas now if there's a more open area, you have to accordingly then back off. Now you can still probably see your shooter, but you can be yeah. way off because now there's more open area. So, but also, Joe, yeah, that's beneficial because obviously, it it's easier for the bull not to hang up, right? Um, because you're further away. Now, the difficult part here, if you want to steer that bull, mm -hmm. um, then you're going to have to work a lot harder Absolutely. in order to move left and right in order to be able to make that bull come in the direction close to that shooter, right? The further back you're out, the more you have to move laterally, right? That depends, Luis, too, on your cover or terrain yeah. because, yeah. you know, you take Chav's situation when, when yeah. we were calling that big bull. I actually okay. went to where the terrain dropped down a little bit yep. to where I could now move without the elk seeing me, which was even better because now he's going to pull more because he's still not able to see what's going on over there. Right. So, and look, man, they want to see. They, they want their number one thing is they they know there's elk there. They got to see them, you know. Yeah, absolutely. They, they want to see another bull. They want to see or, us. or a cow, whatever's whatever's got them aggravated or turned yeah. on. But but here's the here's the key though. And and when we're talking about those rules, um when you identify the possible hang and hang up or stop and scan, so Chad brought up stop and scan. Here's what that is, is whatever the situation is, is where could that animal come to a point where that animal thinks it should be able to see the other one? In other words, if it's more open and that animal can see 80 yards and it sounds like that cow or that bull's 80 yards away, he's going to come up to where? 
he comes in the open and he's going to stop and he's going to scan to be able to see. So as you're creating your setup, you want your shooter to be within effective shooting range of that possible stop and scan spot. For example, if you're on top of a ridge that kind of slopes down, and, and it doesn't have to be a deep slope or anything, but it's where that bowl is down below where you guys are up on top. Now, that means that bull's going to have to come and have to top out, right? So if you have your shooter close to that effective range where he's going to come to the top, and as soon as he does, as soon as he gets to a point where he can see over that rise, he is stopping and he is looking, man. Been there, yeah. done that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, with And I mentioned Don Primley before. I called a bull for Don over 1,600 yards from the top of a mountain down to the bottom and all the way up. And people say an elk don't want to come up to you. Let me oh, tell you man. what, they will come up, buddy. And what I did was I had Don down at the bottom right where it was going to top out. And I went to the top of the ridge where it was normal for a bull. That, and I've worked up that ridge calling just like a bull going away. Yeah. And, and I want you to hear this, y'all, that are listening. When a bull hears another bull staying in one position – that's that's sending messages right there. Either he For has sure. cows or he's bedded or, hmm, what's going on? It's just not natural because yeah, that bull's generally either going to come towards that guy or he's going to go away. And when you start working away from your collar up a ridge like that to a calling point, you sound just so natural as a bull going away, and it will pull that guy right up. Yeah. So I get up Especially if he thinks you got a hot cow with him. Absolutely. I get up on the top of that ridge, that bull comes over the top, and at that point when I saw him, I had a decoy, and I just stuck the butt, and not the whole decoy, I just stuck the butt out from behind a big pine tree just a little bit so he could see it. He goes to bugling, coming right up, walks by Don at 10 yards, man, over, right? So uh -huh. that's, that's the prime situation there. So a stop and scan spot, if you're in thick, Guys, a shooting lane is an area that you're going to have a clear shot angle at where an animal's coming through. So if I'm in thick oak brush, I want the thickest in front of me if possible. Now, it doesn't let you see that good, but what's going to happen is you're not going to end up with a frontal, and that bull's going to try to come to the side into a shooting lane. If I have a shooting lane here, if I have a shooting lane there. That's what I try to do all the time, Joe. When, when we do the, the, the flying bee, Mm -hmm. set up i try to go away i don't know 70 80 yards from you and try to be behind the bushes and stuff that way the bull must go around that i'm gonna have uh, that way i'm gonna have a uh, a I side shot not a frontal shot right now the, so, the, the and, 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 and and also i try to separate from luis at least 60 or 70 yards to be able to have like I don't know, 30 yard shot or something. Right. Yeah. So the he's always following me right. because he knows that I know, <laughs> but I try to always go away. The only reason why you got good footage and I don't. <laughs> What's that, Eric? Here we go. Yeah. I think too, when you think about like hangups, things like that, there could be a couple things going on. So either that bull could be. It depends on what that vocalization's right. been, the action of that bull. Maybe I'm cow yep. calling at him, and we've been going back and forth, and he's just getting frustrated, and he's yep. he's getting more aggressive because he's calling me to him. Right. 
and you're that could going. be a yeah he's not hanging up because of terrain he's hanging up because i'm not doing what he's asking me to do exactly some of those situations there because that that cow is going to dictate if she's been you know calling him over she could you could actually start calling and working your way out start calling and then race back to where that to spot where, was 100 that area so it's not that he's hanging up because you He's seeing you. He's scanning, but you could race back to that spot, and that bull come to send check that air, and you have a chance to shoot that bull. One thing that I tell That's guys, a great point, never want to do, man, is I don't care what grunt tube you use. You do not. Once that bull start coming in, you don't oh, want to yeah. be throwing your calls in front of you at that animal. Correct. Now you are making that animal think that you're 30, 40 yards further than what you are. So when that bull stops at a stop and scan position, looking for that other animal 80 yards out, had you called behind you, you might have had that. And number one, if you'd have been in that closer to that stop and scan, you wouldn't have had to worry about that and thrown those calls back behind you. I, I, I always wanted to think I'm further back than what I am. So, so we say wind is everything. We want to make sure you identify the possible hang up and stop and scan areas and be close to that to shoot them. Identify shooting lanes, man. Shooting lanes, anytime you are set up. And understand, it's kind of like a, a hand in poker. We teach people in Texas Hold'em not to fall in love with your hand. Same thing. Don't fall in love with a setup. If you're set up and you're in a position, you got good shooting lanes, but all of a sudden you hear that animal's doing a different thing, setups are dynamic. Look at where you're going to be to move to and get to another spot right then and now and start finding those shooting lanes. If I see that an animal's doing something, I'm not watching that animal. I'm looking at where could that animal, because of the terrain in there, possibly go and what are my shooting lanes going to be? You've got to prepare yourself mentally for all of that. So you want to make sure you identify them as much as possible. Sometimes it is going to be frontal, y'all. It just sometimes those animals yeah. go places you don't think they're going to. But if you can, try to get them to the right or left as possible. That's, that's what I did the last time because I saw the bull coming at, I don't know, 120, 110 yards. Right. But uh, he got uh, some sort of a, a thick brush between uh, right me and him and then I move I move I don't know 30 35 40 yards mm -hmm. and uh, I I got into a position that I had like clear shot after he passes that that uh, bush I had on the front but the cool thing about that Manano was that was so unlike the Manano that I had met before you made an aggressive well, on an animal that was coming <laughs> man that you, you would have normally just froze been still and yeah. said i gotta wait here i gotta be silent make no noise. you'd have never had that shot well after three seasons kicking my ass <laughs> so you better learn yeah. so, so oh you know what i was watching the video of your shot the other day. do you remember when you were moving in on that bull that there was a deer standing about 20 yards from you do you remember seeing that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the video. No way. In on that yeah, really? Talking in, there is a deer 20 to 30 yards to your right. I've oh got my it, on the, I saw, it. I just saw it on the video. Yeah. So it could have blown you up. <laughs> you know, I, uh, something else too, Joe, the thicker the setup, the more opportunity you're going to have to have a closer shot. Absolutely. Too. So yeah. you need to be, and they really like coming in silent too in those thicker setups. So you got to be ready for that, especially early season. You know, if it's before you know, the 6th or the 10th of September, those, those rascals are going to come in there a lot of times uh, si silent and you might hear them, you know, coming if you 
if you really pay attention, you can almost hear them because they, they're not real uh, agile. They're going to kick some stuff around and clank some logs and stuff like that. But for me, I think the thicker the setup, the better, simply because you're going to have a closer shot. It's what made it's what made me fall in love with the other part of the country that we used to hunt all the time. It's a lot thicker, Joe. Yeah, in that oak brush, it was really yeah. nice in there. I mean, yeah. uh, Chav and I would be in there. And that one day that we killed two bulls in the same day, Chav, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. how, how thick was that? I mean, we were, it was crazy. Yeah, you could have been a, a stone throw away, and I, cu- I couldn't see you because it was so yeah. thick. We got in the middle of a, a herd, and you couldn't tell how big the herd was. Yeah. We ended up splitting up, and between, and I never, he never heard me shoot. I never heard him shoot. And, I mean, there was just so many animals in there. We ended up taking two out of the same group because it's just so thick. Just like that same situation with Tucker and when you got your bull, Gilbert. I mean, it was that same type of day right there, just thick, yeah. thick type stuff right there. So, yeah, I think initially when I started hunting elk, that was one of the – that was like a, a, a mind shift that I had a hard time getting away from because I always wanted to see the animal coming from a long way. Like I felt like, okay, it's going to give me time to do something. But I would all, they, they were always going to hit that stop and scan point. They were always out of range and I couldn't get that animal to move any farther. And I had to change that up and it's hard and you got to be patient and you got to just trust your setup, if man, if you want, you don't want to see him till he's going to be right on. I mean, you can hear him coming. That's a good thing, but so you just got to be patient with and trust that process. For everybody listening out there, I want you to go back to your childhood when you played hide and seek, and what you wanted to do was you wanted to be in the most obscure <laughs> place that was not obvious for somebody to have to really come and really find you. And that's what you're doing as that caller. You are basically playing hide-and-seek from that animal, making them have to come to you and find you and get into a shooting range to be able to do that, all right? So, just, and, you know, like Eric said, seeing elk is it's great. It's great for, you know, oh, I get to see them, but it's, it's terrible for killing right there. Yeah. So, And you don't always yeah. have great areas because, you know, down in the Gila where you hunt, Eric, there's a lot of areas man that it's just i mean it's it's clear pine on the pine needles underneath those trees real you know real tall pine trees there and there's not a lot of cover in the bottom but the great thing about that area is you have a lot of those rolls in there undulation a lot of undulation yeah 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 use them little coolies to sneak around in yep and so that if you use those to your advantage that that can be huge, man. And like Manano said earlier, man, don't set up in front of cover. Guys, never limit your sight and shot window. You know, it's going to be, the animal's going to do that as much as possible. Yeah. So don't do it to yourself, right? Yeah. You don't want to do that. And but they, they got good eyes, but I'm telling you right now, if you wear decent camo and you stay still, they'll look right through you to try to find an elk. They will look. They look amazingly right, right they through out. you and right over you man yeah i i really think that elk are always looking behind bushes and trees and boulders and stuff for a predator mm-hmm. and i have had elk i have had a herd come uh, in a little small opening i had a little bit of brush behind me oak brush behind me i'm down on my knees in front of it at the point of it the herd comes out comes to me splits and starts walking around me i had a cow leg almost knocked the arrow off the front of my bow as they went <clears> by me. 
and I'm waiting for them to blow up behind oh, yeah. me you know, as they hit my oh, scent yeah. line. It was the craziest thing, but they were looking behind me, around me, as they did that. So yeah, I, I had the ninja with me one time, and we had elk within 12 <laughs> feet of us, and we're sitting in front of, I mean, just sit in front of a big fir pine, a uh, big Christmas tree, and they had no clue that we were humans. I mean, it's literally walked within 12 feet of us, huh, Chav? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. But also had another incident where uh, the wind was going across from my uh, left to my right, and I walked into a meadow, and I, I could hear a bull, a bull bugling quite a ways off, it seemed like, and he kept getting closer, and all of a sudden a, a cow popped up, popped out of the, out of the, it was a downslope on one side, it popped up out of the, uh, that area and walked into the meadow and uh, you know I kind of panicked and just got behind a tree and pretty soon like just like Joe the cows kept coming came to that tree and walked on both sides of me <laughs> and I know the wind had to be hitting the, everything on on my right hand side but they kept going and I could see spikes just looking at me and just walking by me so I think uh, I heard that's not uh, it's not worried or, or excited or you know, they'll just do that. And it, it, it turned out the bull walked to my left and I was able to get a real close shot at him, you know, 15 yard shot. Oh, but cool. all the, but there were about 50, 50 cows in his herd. And like I said, they just split up, walked right by me. Cool. The lead cow must have been on my left because she just walked by and everybody just said, no, oh, everything must be okay. Yeah, she didn't booger. She yeah. is, uh, you know, she is the, the one that's letting everybody know it's good to go, man. You yeah. Know, Look, they, they definitely want to see things. You know, when I called that bull in for Chav, that big bull that he shot at, I'm telling you right now, we had two herds co converging, but that bull, if that bull steps to the left, he steps on Chav. That's how close that bull was to him. <laughs> yeah. He was probably eight to 10 feet from him before he turned right to walk down this little Trinos. And if he turns left, he what? steps on Chav. The what, Beto? What? Trinos. <laughs> For, see, what's that? Tronos. 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 Sounds like a little invention. I, I told you, every treat. morning he gets up and he just Googles the weirdest word of the day. <laughs> and he just memorizes it. Yeah, and then he brings word. it up in some random conversation. And you're I thought like, he was from me. From anybody, from any of y'all that knew the big Tony Casenza, he used Tronos a lot. Oh, just, may, may God rest his soul. Rest in uh, peace, Brother Tony. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I, yeah, I was like, huh? I still don't know. Is that he just like stepped a, down this little trinosis, little crevice. I mean, if he steps to the left, he steps right on Chav. I, I guarantee you Chav was breathing hard because that bull was way worked up and fixing to step all over him. You mean Chav gets Vito Lactus? What? <laughs> yeah, everybody gets him. Bro, that bull was, <laughs> bull was gigantic, Chav doesn't man. get Vito Lactus because I know of a time and a situation where Jeff was on the side of a little drop-off. And, and if you've never been to New Mexico, we'll, we'll have like, you know, where it just, I mean, the rock just dropped straight down into the into a little drainage. And it was, and it'll drop down maybe 10, 15, 20 feet. And Chad was on the edge looking out there and he hears a noise and he looks over the side. Doggone five by five or six by six comes right up about 10 yards away, Chav. I mean, it was just like real close. That one up there, and, and he, he comes to look over the side too. So Chav goes to pull back and draw and shoot him. And as he draws back, his arrow falls down in his lap, and he only has. Oh, okay, that one. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so his arrow falls down there, and the bull still stayed there, Chef? Yeah, you see, I did it three times. <laughs> wow. And the, the third time I could have just stabbed him with, a, with the arrow, and he never – Never really saw me. He was there looking down in the bottom, just like Chav was, man. It was like two guys just do, 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 let's look off, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that morning I killed the big bull uh, that when Tucker was with us and everything. We we called in six or seven more bulls that just walked right over the top of us, Joe. I mean, seriously walk within 20 yards of 18 to 20 yards and never even knew we were there, right? And uh, they just walk right over the top of you there in the middle of looking for what they wanted to find. And there were cows and bulls all around us. So they were just worked up, but they really, I, I truly believe they got good eyesight. I'm not, I'm not doubting that. And they pick up movement really well. Yeah. They can't see and make out what you are and go, Oh, that's a human sitting there. Yeah. That's not their deal. Now they pick up movement really well, really uh, well, but you can, I've said this a million times. I can fool their eyes if I use my woodsmanship and stuff like that, but you can never fool their nose. Especially if you use the Velcro camo. Yeah. Especially if you're wearing Velcro. <laughs> Gilbert, so what are you doing in terms of your woodsmanship when you're saying you can fool them with their eyes? Just use your cover, you know, okay. use your, use your cover to your advantage, right? Move, Don't air moving. Do no. what, Bubba? Don't Don't move. Moving. Yeah. You, yeah, you move when they move, right? When, Cause when they, they're, they're everything. Yeah. 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 yeah, man, you can you can ask Chad, man. If we see an elk, he's in he's in real trouble. So I'm going to give you a, pretty good at getting in behind him and dogging him and get him into a situation where I can put an arrow in him because we use the woods the right way. We use our wind and we use the cover that's available and and hopefully there is cover. You know, when you're in these open parks and stuff like that, you kind of hung out to dry. You got to make a better plan, you know. And sometimes if they're in the middle of a park, you sure don't want to blow that that up. Just let him go on across the park wherever he's going and get to the trees and then make your move on him. Don't try to make your move on him in the park where he's looking to find an elk right there on the edge of the park, you know, let him go ahead, hit the trees. You get in. Unless you're in a partner system where, you you know, you can put a partner at the edge and the other way back in. Yeah. And pull them across like that. For sure. But, you know, a lot of this is different with set up with partner versus solo. Right. Absolutely. But I want to give a couple of points there. Guys, remember the best time to make a move on an elk is when an elk is moving. So if, if, if they're ripping up a tree, God dang, man, that's their go ears right and their them. eyes, man. You go in yeah. on them. When they're down feeding, you can get in on them. When they're moving is the best time for you to move. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you another thing, too, is if you are putting a stalk on, because I'll stalk, I'll, I'll stand up and go right. If they're feeding, I, I'll watch them feeding. As they're feeding, I start to move in on them. When they start to lift their head, I stop, you know, and I just keep doing that. But if if there's multiple guys when you're moving, if there's two of you, Never approach side to side. Always mm. create one silhouette. So, you know, you yeah. always want to keep the, the front guy between you and the animal. Or if you're if you're <clears> paralleling <throat> them on the side, you want to be on the side. You want to look like one item and not multiples. So that creates more movement. So that's just. No, nah, that's right. Chab and I got together that morning when that evening when I killed that bull. We actually walked through a herd of elk 
all bundled up together, just ease across a big opening. And we're all together, just kind of walk right through the herd of elk and we're bugling the whole way. And those cows and everything just kind of parted away. They're like, well, that's a bull coming through there. They, they didn't know whether we were human or whether we were not. I mean, we had the wind and we're bugling the whole time, cow calling and all that. The they just let us was, walk right through the, the middle of that set. Worked. The move you know? worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had a buddy of mine, Eric, my, in the middle of a group, and it was so thick with the jack pines that you could see legs at the bottom. And I just told him, let's just start walking through these jack pines with elk all around us. He goes, they're going to see us move. And I'm like, they don't know whose legs it is. <laughs> and we literally, I just called and just kept walking right through them, and we ended up shooting a bull at 40 yards. Man, we had multiple opportunities that morning. But oh. some, you know, and that's where the the fifth rule that I have here is always make aggressive moves if the situation demands it. That's like what Manano did right there. Luis, yeah. he did on his bull when he shot that one bull two years ago to get that open shot on there. You have to sometimes do things. Look, I would rather you guys lose an opportunity by blowing it up because you're trying to be aggressive than by not being aggressive and letting the animal just walk off someplace, not even giving yourself a chance for an opportunity. So that's, that's something that I want you to think about. And, and what Gilbert always says, man, you're not going to kill anything if you don't draw. You've got to draw. And if, if that critter is 10 feet in front of you, walking by you and you haven't drawn, draw. Draw, man. Have to draw. Now, when you do it, scream a bugle at the same time. And and I've had people ask, well, how do I do that with the grunt? No, not with the grunt tube. Just with the diaphragm in your mouth. Just Or no diaphragm. Your mouth. (laughs) You better be careful that dinosaur. You might scare him. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, just scream that with your diaphragm. Pull it out. If he does booger, stay on him because he's going to stop Stop. again, man. I'm telling you. And he's going to stop what I, what I find really hard, Joe, it's when we are uh, doing like uh, you can throw recognition uh, bugles or cow calls as we are moving. That's what I find really hard to find elk or to, to have the opportunity to, to kill an elk because we are moving and at the same time we're cow calling it. In my opinion, it's it's one of the most difficult uh, uh opportunities to find elk because they are they're watching us moving through the woods yes as we no. yes and no sometimes they are but I, if... when they when they go silent mm-hmm. and especially during their early season i mean you have to you have to talk to them you have to throw calls and cow calls if that you must do it in order to in order to locate them yeah. but what i what i would do is yeah, cow call and throw some calls, recognition calls, and trying to locate them. But when we move, I I would not cow call. Well, you, you, then you're going to have a problem because and and again again it depends on the terrain too, Manano. Yeah, yeah, of course. If, if you're in really really thick stuff, a lot of times you're going to hear them walking into you way before they can have an opportunity to see you. Now, if you're in a real real open area. 
And that's why when I have guys with me like you and Luis, as I'm falling and moving, I'm really scanning up in front, and I have you guys scanning the sides, yeah, the sides. hoping to catch the movement. And we don't know how many bulls or cows have seen us that we never saw, but hopefully we get something moving in our direction. Yeah. And, and, and the and moving think... and calling is what sells it. Right. That's what sells. Yeah, I think Manano. What is really tr trying to get to is believe in your believe in your setup, and 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 don't take don't don't leave too soon. You know, yeah. Give it time to marinate and for the for the bull or and the cow to come to you. And you I'm know. seeing two different things here. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, when Manano started talking about that, I wasn't even yeah. seeing anybody in a setup. I just uh, saw it yeah. as. Moving through the woods, trying to locate animals and cow calling as we're doing, which is totally different. And sure. in a setup, you're right. You gotta, you gotta Be believe patient. it. You gotta give it a chance to do its thing. But if I'm trying to locate animals, Manano, and and I stay and I sit here and cow call, again, it's one of those things that are not realistic because to other animals when they hear a small group of cows they're they going to come to, to a destination mm -hmm. and when they hear that those animals will start they it's just like a good d-back man yeah. uh picking up a wide receiver they're going to take an angle and they're going to try to intercept and so yeah. you're trying to pick them up on their mm -hmm. interception or they're going to come from the front coming into you they're not going to come from the wind side yeah. you're not going to get them there because they're going to smell you so it's an opportunity to get those animals moving in your direction and catch them uh, is there but, but how often would you cow call, call while yeah. you're moving well if i'm making noise then i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah, yeah yeah and i'm gonna Continue. talk a little bit i'm gonna get one cow call I'm gonna walk a little bit. It just kind of depends as I'm going through. I try to make it as much like these are social calls. Yeah, yeah. Like these are social cool. inviting. And in, in the, all the time, it de it depends too on the on the vegetation of the of the Absolutely. of the. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the time as well. What time are you doing this? You know, are they on the move? Is it morning? Yeah. They're heading their bed. Talking now. If I'm getting to where I know I'm in the bedding yeah. area, well, I'm I'm setting up and I'm I'm gonna have a static setup. Yeah. And try Especially to work if you know there's work. a bull in there. You saw him walk yeah. in there or whatever, then you're going to set up a slow play scenario and get him, get him all riled up, brother. If you're smelling yeah. him or you've heard, a, you've heard a call in that bedding area, man, why move and call? And that's the worst thing you could do. And I actually I had a bull coming into me one time, and one of my buddies, my hunting buddies, didn't know that it was me communicating with the bull, thought it was two bulls. And he started coming in from the side, coming at both of us, cow calling <laughs> as he was doing it, which Manano and what you were talking about, where he was going in that open area, cow calling. That bull just turned and just looking, man, it's going to peg him. I mean, he's toast. Yeah, you can't do it at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have that kind of open area and and you're seeing that animal there, you can't cow call your way where he's going to peg you. Uh, it's it, there's sometimes you just need to shut up. You know, in a situation like that, or stay yeah. back and bring him to you. Or you know? sound like a sound like another bull that's got a hot cow. Yeah, because that'll spark his that'll spark yeah. his interest, man. And you, you know, know, Louise go rake a tree, or slow play. You know, rake a tree. I mean. 
If for our listeners, if y'all have never heard of a slow play, you need to go check out Dale Nutt. He'll talk to you about the slow play. He kills a lot of bulls in betting areas using the slow play technique. And, you know, the more I've listened, the more I'm like, dang, Joe does that all the time. Man. Well, we, he we sets that it, up all the time. Yeah, we, we just call it putting on a scenario. Yeah, and and we, have, we have our herd talk scenario. Yep. We have our rut scenario. Yeah. We have different things. And, and that's one thing you're going to find. Elk hunters that are being successful are doing a lot of the same things. Yeah. But they, they just have, call it something different. They just call it something different, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like when, you know, when we are putting on a hot cow scenario, yeah. he calls it a breeding sequence, right? right. And so, right. I mean, it just has different verbiage, but the mm-hmm. elk behavior is the same, man. Yeah. So we want to stick in the setups and I want to make sure mm-hmm. that, uh, that I, that I simplify that. Sure. So, you know, uh, basic rules to the setup, wind is everything. Um, yes, identify the hang up, stop and scan and make sure you're within that killing range of that. Identify your shooting lanes. Try to keep them to the right and left. Always set up in front of cover. Make aggressive moves if the situation demands it and you have to draw. Okay. So draw. that's that's kind of our basics right there. And now what we're going to do is kind Don't of. Don't get a slave to your range finder either. Don't be a slave to that thing. Use it quickly. Understand where you're markers are and then move for move forward and let that thing be just shoot the easy v baby yeah the easy v that's right so what we're going to do now is i i know that there's a lot of other questions that people have out there i mean and it's just stuff like this should i take my pack off where i set up right i mean there's some people who get in there and they get in a setup and they're like well uh, you know it can make noise should i take my pack off and i've seen people do it and be successful killing an animal with it but I try to make sure that my pack and I shoot with my pack all the time is as silent as possible because I'm a silent freak. And the only problem about that is if you have to make an aggressive move, you have to leave yeah. your pack. The pack. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it used to be a popular thing to take off your shoes on, on part of a stock on an animal. And then you got to try to find your shoes again. And, <laughs> you know, that ain't happening. That, yeah, that, that can get tough. So um, should I take off my pack? No, don't. Get used and get make that thing silent. Get used to drawing it. Um, and I'll tell you, most of your noise on your packs comes in your shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. If you get that chest clip in so it's good there, and if, if you have noisy material, you could take fleece or you can get flannel from a pillow or something like that. You can sew a sleeve, a sleeve and put Yo, it in there. And it it'll depend. Because if you use a backpack like mine, uh-huh. it's really small, quiet. And, and really light. Yes. But if you use a backpack like Luis's backpack, <laughs> he looks like a, like a, you know, he's climbing the Everest mountain. He's got a parachute on. He looks like, a, like, he looks like an elephant only going through one. the woods. Only, yeah, only on day one. Yeah, but, but then I would ask, how big is the list of items that I have to lend Manano out on the woods when he needs stuff? <laughs> so, so let's, let's I'll just leave it at that. I'm with you, Joe. The pack, the pack, and everything is a big deal. I've the last three years that I've killed bulls, I had a pack on my back, and I never took it off. And I feel like I'm way more dangerous with that thing on my back than me fumbling around with it. Well, then if the animal goes, now you got to get it, put it back on, and it's yeah, no, just uh, you know, just get used to having it on there. So, guys, let's think about those questions in a setup that. Um, that these people w- would be thinking, like, you know, can I make noise when I'm setting up? Uh, yes. 
Yeah. It, and and that question, that's a good question. It depends. How close is the bull? Yeah. yeah. It depends if you're if you're solo, what you're doing, the thickness. Because I, you know, you guys have seen me. Uh, I on one of the videos with Brendan when I'm calling that bull in. I have Brendan over there ten yards from me, but it's really thick. And I go in and I just start, I just start breaking branches around where you got to shoot from because it sounds like a bull raking in that area. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that also happened to me. Right, learned the hard way don't realize by the time you draw when you draw you hit the tree that you're sitting in front of and then you know it just it surprises the crap out of you obviously you know it may make you um re not draw and may just set that back down and then you have to redraw so one of the things i like to, especially if you don't have the eyes the animal's eyes on you yet yep. just just mimic the draw you don't have to draw just simply just move your move your elbow back and yeah do a little bit of a range make sure you're not hitting anything behind you so by the time that the animal actually is there and you're ready to draw then you know you've got room to do so do with your yeah. bow out and your arm man because your bow might hit branches you get in that position and you go ahead and turn and make sure that you're open and, and as soon as you get in your setup look as soon yeah. as you get in your setup you start clearing crap around your feet. You clear yeah. the area around you, and you draw and you check that. Now you've and also and also branches above. When you look at your when you look at your channels, uh, your shot channels that you have, where you think that the elk may go through and opportunities, those hallways, those channels, just keep a mental picture of the hanging obstacles, the branches, and because depending on that distance. Um, you may be, your pen, your pen may be totally clear to that animal's vitals, but because of the parable of your arrow, that arrow is going to go above where that pin is and it may hit a branch above before it falls down and completely mess up your shot. Yeah, look at so. your 20 yard pin at 20 yards. Look at your 30 yard pin at 30 yards, man. I mean, you can get an idea where that arrow is going to go. Yeah. So, hey, exactly. uh, by the way, before I killed the pig this weekend, I was about to draw my bow and I realized that the, they, they uh, knocked the arrow above of the D-loop. But oh, wow. thanks to the experience that I had with the elk, I checked before drawing. I went back and knocked it up again correctly. The sad part is that the experience hasn't taught you to actually knock it <laughs> properly to begin well, with. But we uh, were it was we were in a row driving the, draw, the truck. <laughs> good check, so, no, dude. I'm proud of you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you hide behind a tree in the setup? No way. Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah. No way. Not anymore, huh? So many keys in my my house during the three season. So, so yeah, and the other thing, Manano, uh, you know, that it was a learning for for both Manano and myself from Joe. It was, um, you know, Manano was trying to shoot shoot his cow, his very first elk, <laughs> and uh, he was going around those uh, oak brushes, and then the sun was was kind of completely in his face right and yeah. so um just trying to find that little shadow maybe stepping a little bit back to where that sun is not hitting you because our skin actually freaking glows like crazy like a light bulb uh for them when the sun hits us just like that so.
and and they they see that they come up and that 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 shine man they stop them right away so mm-hmm. anytime you're in areas where you've got sun if it's at that 11 o'clock and it's a midday madness always try to find where you're broke up with shadows on you man or in a shadow as much as possible so that's a great point right there uh how far should you be from your backdrop then? If you're, if I'm not supposed to be close to it, just enough so that you're not going to hit oh, it. Your elbows down. Your elbow back. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, how should your bow be positioned in a setup? Front of you. Ready to go, frontal. Yeah. Your hand on the grip. Um, just kind of point it forward to where you think you're actually going to be making the draw. So are you right. on your knees or are you standing up? I like to be on my knees. Ninety percent of the time, I'm on my knees. Last yes. year, I was first That's year. What I, yeah. I think it's the first year I killed a bull standing. Well, no, I killed the other one too. So, yeah, I like to be on my knees though. The last two elk I've killed has been standing, but both mine too. Yeah, so the it, it would also depend. Person, I, I like to be on my knees. That's my favorite mm-hmm. position. I'm most stable. Yeah. I'm low to the ground. Elk are yeah. looking over top of me. Um, I'm real compact with my bow. I'm able to call without making a whole lot of movement, and I'm able to hide it. You know, I just I like that, and it's easy. What I, I just set my cam down on the ground, man, on something. Yeah. There. So, and you got to be careful of that. You got to pay attention. Yes, to where you're I was going to say on that. You know, you don't want to get crap in there and roll it off or something. But I just set it there in in a shot position, and I have my arrow on. It's right in front of me, so that I I'm just able to go straight into it. If I'm standing, you know the if, if you can, if you can get it so that cam's against your leg, so it keeps your bow yeah. a little bit higher on there so that it's less movement when you go to pull back mm-hmm. on it, that's a good deal. And, and I think that's an important thing, too, because i seen a guy shooting this morning, shooting next to me. And his draw is, you know, I can I can just pull my right bow back. back and I can draw it. He's having to raise, you know, he, he's not pulling yeah, he's the right too much, And that's going to give you away way too much yeah i think i've always had my arm out where i've i've been able to have an, a, a bull coming at me and i got enough strength to just slowly yeah, pull slowly. right at him where i he hasn't even mm-hmm. seen case sarah sarah when you get it back you know uh, my buddy my my real good hunting buddy uh that joe met first elk hunt i ever had uh with joe is a guy named bruce gainer prince of a fella uh, I took him whitetail hurting, hunting for his first time. And I came to pick him up and he hadn't shot no deer or anything. I said, Bruce, what's up, man? I said, you didn't see any deer? He goes, oh, my God. He said, I saw about five bucks. I said, well, why ain't one dead? He said, every time I draw them, they all freak out and run off. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, man, I, I get the bow up and go to draw and they just all run off. And I'm like, huh. I said, uh, well, let me see. Go, go get up there in the blind. Let me see you draw. And he, he got up there and sat in that ladder stand that he was in. And he'd go like this. He'd go. Oh. <laughs> he had to go straight yeah, up in the air. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, and they came back. He goes, yeah, five times. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Bruce. So, yeah, we turned his bow down, man, where he could just bear it. I mean, and look, he was it. He was embarrassed because he was like under 50 pounds i said you'll blow through those deer at 48 to 50 pounds you know and same thing with elk guys man i mean you know 55 60 pounds if you can get it to 60 there's nothing wrong with that but like like eric said man if you got to make a whole bunch of movement to get that bow back elk are really good at picking up movement yeah, it's going to make Ah. them jump and and eric where you talked about pulling back slow i'm not much of a slow i'm i would rather just get it back like right now 
And uh, that way, because I've seen guys do that where they're trying to get it there and that bull boogers and then they feel like, oh, I've been caught drawing and they'll just stop there. Yeah. And, and they almost let down sometimes. You gotta have oh, oh damn, pulling the guns up. No, it's not like I'm I don't know, man. After no, after meeting, but I'd have an, I'd have an animal start to come through, but it wasn't like I had to rip back. You know, it was just a comfortable pull, nothing super no, slow. You know, I don't have that back. much control. But, hey, man, Eric, nothing yeah, against exactly. you, bro. But That's I mean, I you know, pulling that after meeting Mr. Jason today and <laughs> Mr. Dan, I don't know, kind of weak, honestly. <laughs> so, guys, let me no, ask they're, you. They're hey, by the way, Luis, is your body placement and your the way your feet are placed uh, in relation to the animal, is that important when yes. an elk is coming in or you see an yes. elk coming in? How, hey. how should your body placement or your feet placement be? You should be, you should be perpendicular. At least 45 degrees, at least. Yeah. Perpendicular to the, your body should be perpendicular to the animal body, basically. I'll tell you for myself, I like to even take it a little bit more to my right um, because for, for the range of yeah, movement. Because it's so much easier to turn back to my left and stay informed than it is to go to that right if the animal mm -hmm. goes the other direction. But don't be afraid. If you're on your knees you know, and you see that animal's coming in, man, you, you use those knees to turn so that you're in good shot position right there. And, you know, I've seen people when they go and they stand and they see an animal coming in and they stand like this with the animal and they have their bow with their feet in this position. So so now if that animal does come in, they're in a real bad, you know, comfortable, yeah. real yeah. bad form to, to make a good shot on them. So just like in any sport, footwork is important. So mm -hmm. just like, you footwork know, your shoulders is like throwing a baseball. That What's that, bro? Yeah. 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 It's just that position too is, you know, your shoulder throwing a baseball, it's going to lead where you know that arm if you're out here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Well, baseball throw. It also your bow, your bow being in that position when you're like this gives you a chance to get a call if you have to. You can grab that grunt tube, and your bow and your and your hand in front of you hides all that movement. So it it really makes it easy to to do that. So especially if um, it's a soloist, man, you can really work. That. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah, real, we're going to be finding out about that, man. So you're, you're in the setup. You're in a setup. Do I call or do I stay silent? If I'm in a setup, do I call or do I stay silent? Are you the shooter or the caller? So let's go solo first. Solo. Mm -hmm. If stay you're silent. in a setup, do you call or stay silent? Mm -hmm. Either stay silent or throw the calls behind you if if need be. But well, well, you got to understand silent. what the setup is first. I mean, you know, what's the situation? Bull, yeah, what's the situation? You got a bull out there talking to you or is nothing talking or... <laughs> You know, are you going to put on uh, a show yourself? I mean, you're going to try yeah. to emulate a bull breeding? If you breeding? see the bull and he's coming to you, should you start talking to him? No. No, no. man, let him keep coming. Let him keep coming. <laughs> we right? got to say a word. Yeah. Don't get nervous. There's some people get nervous and they're like, oh, I got a call. Yeah. You know, nothing. Know. You don't have to just let them do their the, thing. Like the that. element of surprise is so much in your advantage. Now, if you see that bull turning and going out of your out of the area – 
going to a different story. direction, mm -hmm. yeah, then you might want to take that call behind you, turn it to the opposite direction, away from the direction he's going, and throw a cow call back behind you, and you can stop and turn that booger, especially when he's walking like that, and all of a sudden he hears a cow call, he's making noise, now he's heard a cow, and he's like, oh, oh, she must be over there. Yeah. And you can actually steer that animal right back to you. Yeah. Okay? Um, Joe, and, and real quick, man, I, you know, and I, we probably have touched on this, but I still wonder the volume of those calls may also help with confusing the distance of the animal. So if you want to make it sound like it's farther away, maybe the volume when you're throwing that call back needs to be really low. So it just sounds like, you know, the animal is further behind you. I see a lot of people that are practicing doing their calls and they're practicing them doing this the whole time. They're never working on trying to make those calls quieter. You need to really, I threw this in my mouth, it's dry right off the bat, but um, you need to work at being able to change those tones. You can even close your lips a little bit. Yes. And make Force it, it to there. Versus, yeah. you hear the difference there? Yeah. You know, you need to work at being able to give it lower tones. And I'm actually using a thicker diaphragm. You get one of those, you know, softer latex, man, you can get. Yeah, like this one. Right? Mm -hmm. It can right? really go low. Yeah, and you can make it sound real nice and quiet there. Uh, so that's a great point right there is have some variable in some of your call. So yeah. what if the distance, you're, you're in your setup, you've had a bull calling, and he sounds like he's coming and he's coming in, and then... All of a sudden, it sounds different. He sounds like he's farther away. And then, well, I'm not sure, man. He sounded like he was close. Now he sounds farther away. Do I leave to go again, maybe try to get closer, or do I wait? It all depends if you have yeah. visual on him or of the vegetation. You don't, no visual, no visual yet. And because you, you're waiting to get a visual, you hear him and you thought he was coming in. You could hear him the whole time coming in. And then all of a sudden he sounds really far away. And no, but I mean, I, I wouldn't wait. I was going to say you, or either that or you, you wait until you get another confirmation, maybe throw a couple more calls because that might be a different bull too. A different bull. It'd be totally different bull. Or exactly. Or he's got a, he's got cows and he's rounding them up and rolling with them. And you got to listen to that bugle. I mean, when he bugles, you're going to know what he's got going on. If it's a roundup bugle, he's probably pushing, right? So I'm probably getting on my horse if it's a roundup bugle. If it's just him being agitated at you, might be something different. might be yeah. a different or, bull walking. Or let's say it's just that bull that's just giving that bugle, and he's coming, and you hear a bugle, and he's coming, and you hear a bugle, and he's coming. And then all of a sudden, it sounds like that bugle's way far away probably versus what bull. it sounded like last time. And, and, and you're right, though. It's just like what we just said about our cow call. Yep. He can have his head turned the other way right? and make that ah, it sounds totally yeah. different. Or he could end up behind a little ridge or something, yep. You know, just a little bit of terrain that makes it Knock sound it different. Or he could get be getting super close, and sometimes with the closer they get, the farther away they sound. So you got to be careful about that, right? 
you know, like you guys said. So that's now, now you gotta really pay attention to that what he's really through through a, a curveball at me with that one. The closer exactly. they get, the further away they sound. Now, now okay. you're gonna have it, to explain that one to me crazy. a little better, brother. Okay, so like when you have a bull that sounds off 600 yards, man, it's just it sounds like this loud melodic. Hey, sweetie, how are you? Say hi. Say hi. Hey, hi. What's up, hon? You guys don't see right, her. That's my granddaughter. Granddaughter. <laughs> yeah. I tried to get my daughter. She's going back. To, we're taking her back to college tomorrow, Joe. I tried to get her to come in here and wave at everybody, but she said she's already in her PJs. So. I know, man. <laughs> but so where, where, having home. Where, where I was at with that, Luis, is that yeah. that ball could be 600 yards away, man, and that it just like echoes and you can almost hear it forever. And then as they get closer and they start to get more distinction to their voice, I have had a bull within 60 yards that sounded like, holy Toledo is far away because now you start to hear the air. You yeah. start to hear it's, it's It's the weirdest thing is when they get on top of you, you don't get as much of that whistle, that same harmonic solid tone and you start hearing those different things in there and i swear man i've had them be right there and it's just like <sighs> i mean you can just hear that have you ever heard that eric yeah, absolutely. oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. i tell you something else joe's if you hear them glunking they're really close they're to really you. close yeah they're so i mean you have no clue that you now you are in their bubble and i mean it, it, get ready because if you hear them glunking at all it's not a sound that's going to carry a long way it's really a local sound that uh that you're going to hear i'll never forget you hear them panting yeah. like oh that. my gosh okay. oh man the pants yeah. and stuff that's all low yeah. awful awesome. noises man yeah, and, yeah. and just them getting worked up the <laughs> yeah you can hear them getting worked up man they're lonely they're ready for the rut to kick on man and, <laughs> i mean so, you know they're feeling their oats getting ready so I said, do I call, do I stay silent? Well, all right, so you're in a setup. One of the big questions everybody is, is like, what calls do I or do we use if I'm in a team thing? And when would I or when would we use those calls? Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there.
you know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S.com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. And, 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 and that is such a loaded question that we could actually do a whole podcast with so many different scenarios. But, I, you know, for, for most of those people should. out there, it's, here's what I want to tell you is the farther out they are and what they're reacting to that you're giving, you give that to them. Try not to react to them. In other words, when he bugles, don't answer him. Right. When he bugles, give it the same amount of time that it took him to bugle to you space. So like if I call and then he goes, I'm not going to answer him right away. I'm going to wait. I want to be the initiator. I want him answering me. So space that out. But give him whatever he's reacting to. And make sure you're giving it behind you, not to him, away from him. And as he's coming in, you think he's starting to come, shut up a little bit. Let him keep coming, man. And so Listen to him. Listen to his bugle. Every time he bugles, he's saying something. Right. He, he's wanting 90 percent of the time he's he's wanting the cow to come to him. Right. Or the bull he, or the it bull. Be, he's, he's right. coming to find that pecking order, man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially if he has cows, mm-hmm. he's not going to want them rascals around him. And he will finally draw a line in the st- sand and you either got to go to him or keep moving away to try to keep drawing him. And like Eric said, man, that that trick of just running up there, you know, getting back behind them and pulling them to you and then running back to that same spot, that's that's money. I mean, because those bulls, they want to see that hot cow. You know, yes. That's what they're doing. They want to breed, man. Yeah. You know, Got to take advantage of that. And, and But the thing is, is when they start getting into that, and again, we've talked about close, you know, and then we've talked about um, in the bubble. When they start getting – where they're getting ready to pop into what you think could be a possible visual area. Again, depending on the thickness of what you got going, you can get a lot away with a lot more calling the thicker it is. The thinner it is as far as the terrain and stuff, the less because as soon as he starts to come into where you think he can possibly be in visual, you you don't want to be calling if possible. Let him let him Hopefully you got a partner and he's leaving you. He's going away, gonna drag you with you. Yeah, that's yeah. totally different, man. Yeah. If, if you're if you're teamed up and they're back there, they can just pull that dude right by you. Okay, yeah. so you know as far as that is, what cause do you use? Whatever you're getting the rise out of that animal, give him what he's asking for. Right. When do we use them? If you're solo, you want to use them to a certain point and then try to shut up. If you're team playing, you use them only to be able to to make the situation happen, whatever it takes. Okay. And yeah. don't deny using a decoy, if, a decoy if you're in a team situation, because they can, they can really be good. So what if you're set up and the wind changes? 
You got to change, brother. You got to make a. You got to make a move. You can't make just sit quick. Yep. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to get any better for you if you don't yeah. change it. Cause they, they're not even. You're not even going to see them if they smell you. I promise you, they're done. They're out. The, yeah. the only the thing you'll hear is, and that's it. It's gone, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a mountain clearing event. <laughs> yeah. If if you don't yeah. make the if you don't make the attempt to move, and the wind has changed to the to the wrong, um, that's why one of the things I like in a setup is. So what what type of wind are we looking for? What how do we want to set up with the wind? In the face. Possible. Yeah. Or you have a crosswind. Crosswind. Partner setup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I like about a crosswind is if you think about it, if if I've got the wind in my face and that bull, it's not his first rodeo and he's been called in by 15 guys and he's kind of suspicious <clears throat> this one voice that's staying right there. Bull may be more hesitant to come in. Well, and he's oh, going to yeah. try circling right to the yeah, downwind yeah. side. So if the wind's in my face, it's got to be a big circle for him to get around me. Whereas sometimes if it's a if it's a crosswind like this, and he goes, he's actually going to get almost to where I can I can pop him right there before he hits that. So he's almost to the point that he's feeling good about his you know his location. So crosswinds can be solid uh, quartering. You know, in your face, is it just yeah. anything that's keeping it away from those critters, right? So, yeah. um, you know, okay. one of the things I thought of because it threw me for a loop, and I keep thinking about it. Last year, is I had a, I had a, uh, I don't know if it was a cower bull, but there's something was wrong. I heard a, they barked at me, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I froze right there. I didn't know what to do. I'm like, man, do I? And now that I think about it, I think one of the things that I'll do if I have that where they bark at me is you could either maybe bark chuckle at them or I just may, I just may go right at them with cow. I mean, I don't even want that guy thinking about anything. I'm just going to try to surprise him and just go right at him. Bugle like go right at him, dude. Yeah. You can bugle and go right at him. So what's happening? What's happening when when they bark at you? They want to see something. They want to see something. That's or it. They're, 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 show yourself. Yeah. Or they're wanting to get yourself. the hell out of Dodge. So it's kind of yeah. like, you know, it's kind of like if they're telling me to show myself, I'm like, whoa, you show yourself. Exactly. Wait a second, man. I don't think you're yeah. who you say you are. So, yeah, I start barking or bark chuckling right back yeah. at them, man. And yeah. and it has it works. Um, sure. It's not going to work uh, all the time. But what about what about cow calling at him and just going right at him as a cow? Just, well, they want to see a cow. See something. Yeah. They want to yeah, see but, a cow. You know, Joe. Get, get me in range to shoot him. If, if you have be better off bugling your way to him. Huh? If I had a decoy on the front of my bow, I might try it. If it's right. day huh. seven, you know. Better, I'd bugle my way at him and, and see if I could blow, good, blow it up. He's 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 telling you, if it's a bull doing that to you, he's telling yeah. you, man, get your butt over here. I want to see you, you know. And so you could probably bugle right at him and nothing else would even would even move, right, but him. Uh, Joe and I had a big old bull that chuckled and barked at us numerous times. Joe called him back four or five times, and we just never could get a clear shot at him. Big yeah, seven forty yards, son. we just couldn't get yeah. the clear shot. Just could not get the clear shot, right? But this bull was barking and chuckling, sounded like a monkey. <laughs> I mean, crazy right in our face too, you know. And uh, Joe would just bugle right at him. 
And man, he's like, okay, well, where's the bull at, man? You know, he's he's stomping around there, going, okay, I hear you. Where are you at, you big rascal? But he, you know, he wasn't but, come past that forty yard range. He didn't he want, would. you know, he stayed where it was fairly thick. So it, he was still. He's like, I'm still demanding to see you because I'm not coming in. So I want to see something. He's smart. But I did, man. but I did have a decoy on the front of my bull. Did. I think that was. I think yeah. that's why he stayed in that area so He's long. So lucky, he kept buddy. saying something, man. He's that. so lucky. So let me ask you this. First day. You're in the setup and a bull sounds off another bull. You've got that one coming in. Another bull sounds off from the side or behind you. What do you do? Staying right there. You just hang out, buddy. Uh, Let's yeah, watch just, the show. Yeah. Man, I would analyze the situation between the wind, the the distance between a couple of bulls. Mm-hmm. Uh if this if the new bull is coming to me, uh, I don't know. I take the I, best first opportunity you get. Yes. <laughs> well, equal the, opportunity elk hunter right yeah, here. You stop, yeah, you stop, man, and basically you have a partner now. Because if I have a bull and I've got the wind that's coming in, another one sounds off from the side or back behind me. You know, I can actually utilize that to my benefit because there's an actual bull calling in an actual bull. So if it comes from the side, I can move to where I can get a shot at one or the other one. If it's back behind me, I don't care if he smells me, man. If he is until he gets done calling, maybe that bull's going to come in while he's doing it. Oh, you had a live decoy in your set, baby. That's rock and roll. (laughs) Enjoy the moment, man. Enjoy like ducks, man. They see live decoys, they're coming, babe. What if a bull locks up 80 yards away because mm, maybe I didn't, you know, get my stop and scan and he's there? What can I do to maybe get him in if I'm solo? I'm 80 yards, back. 80 yards, you make. I think, I think it depends on what what's he been answering you with. Like I, I talked earlier, if I, I've been cow calling with him and he is he locking up because he's getting frustrated because I'm not doing what he's telling me to do? That could be a different scenario or – you know, if he's he locked up on the edge of a park. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would, if it's 80 yards and I still have room to move a little bit forward silently, I might throw a call back and try to move a little forward. If I can. Maybe some glunking maybe. Yeah, I, man, I'm, I'm raking uh, a tree. Oh. I'm raking a tree glunk and I'm making it sound like I got a hot cow there. That's exactly what I'm doing. I, I'm not going to give a whole lot myself. If he's 80 yards out there, I don't want to give too much because he should see something. I just want to maybe myself. I'm just, how thick if I can show, show a little cow call out, if it was a cow call, like you said, or maybe even just a little bit of a like frustrated bull sound, just a little low audible. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much unless I'm – now, if I'm in thick area, Gilbert, yeah. and I'm not worried about him being 80 yards out mm-hmm. there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my thing, right? Mm-hmm. But That's a good but point. If he's hung up where I can see him and he can oh. see where I'm at there. Yeah, different story. Yeah, if he can sure. see you, that's a different deal, bud. I mean, yeah. you got to get where he can't see you. So you might want to peel out of there and go another 50, 60 yards deeper in that cover and reset, right, so he doesn't see you. Get deeper in that cover and then go put on a display to keep pulling yeah. him to you. You know, I would, even, I would even make a sound before making the move to where the sound is behind you as you move a little deeper into it. Yeah, I mean, you can yeah, bugle. I, you I'm can always going to try to throw a call back behind me first. Yeah, yeah. always. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be my first call. And then, mm-hmm. what yes. you know, what you talked about retreating, Gilbert, is a good one sometimes. It depends on the 
animal, but also yeah. you can just shut up and no. let him turn and go away and, you and then push move up and then throw a call yeah. back behind you. You yeah. can, man, but Joe, I, I'm telling you, guys like me that are fat and slow, it's so hard to catch <laughs> up to them when they're running up that hill, right? Yeah. So for me, it's almost better for me to retreat and try to pull him, you know? Um, and how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to sound like a hot cow that's got another bull interested there. Right. And sometimes he's why that cow's not coming in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's a reason why that cow's not coming in. I'm going to start raking and displaying. And, you know, as soon as he bugles again, I might, you know, elevate my, my bugle a little bit to kind of cut him off a little bit and say, Hey bud, you know, you're not coming in here, stay back, you know? And then if he, if he elevates it again, now we now we got him right where we want. But if he shuts up and leaves, you're right, Joe. Now I could push forward without the worry of him, you know, seeing me. You yeah, know? and your your whole hot cow scenario, if you have yeah. a partner, is really deadly. It's, you know, it's got to definitely be the thick if you're on your own because yeah. – you know, if he if he hung up out there and you get another chance like that, so I agree. Yeah. I think you're right. I think in the in the in the solo setup, you probably ought to put put your wheels on and get up there on him. You know, uh, so let him move away, this, get up on him. In your scenario, you're just talking about like if you're in a partner setup, he hangs up on you. You introduce this hot hot cow. Are you as the call as the shooter? Are you going to be the hot cow? And then you're going to, the, the caller's going to be the guy back there getting pissed because now that cow's heading to that bull. He's not doing, and he's just getting frustrated and calling and like trying to call that cow back to him. Would that light that bull back up to get more, like, hey, this hot cow now wants me because I've been telling her to come over. Yeah, the downside of that I would see is that, you know, you now have given that bull a, a, an origin to for him to pinpoint you as a shooter, too. Depending on how far out he is, again, uh, because you can actually use that as a power eye scenario. So it's yep. basically I'm telling my, my my shooter, I want him to do that cow and make that let, let that bull think that cow is close and then shut up and let me be the cow and the bull back here now and sound yes. like they're going away so it's just kind of like a you know it's just kind of like a little uh power eye thing where you know you're right here and now you're transferring it back here like they're going away and bring them by so i tried to do that exact same thing with jujo when uh after manano shot his bull mm -hmm. when the other bull was coming in it worked uh, <laughs> it worked joe got a but, joe got an opportunity to almost get that done man that yeah. little slow play that y'all ran it worked it brought those other bulls towards y'all yeah it did it just like it, to Joe's point, it was working so well that I couldn't see where Joe was. And then I was actually pulling him away from Joe on the side. It was yeah. going straight yeah. to me as opposed. Yeah. So, so Joe actually had to intervene and, and, and make it, but yeah, that was actually what you just explained, Eric, that's yeah. that scenario where you had, you know, I had a, a couple cows and then a bull that was after those cows. And then almost like the bull was actually going away and the cows were staying behind is kind of what it was trying to paint. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it was unfortunate that it didn't work out just as I thought it was going to work out in my head. You know, too, Joe, bulls that are on a hot cow, they make certain sounds. And only when they're on a hot cow, the glunking, Absolutely. the panting, the raking, yeah. the displaying. So that you got to sell that there is a hot cow around. <laughs> now he's, at, now he's feeling his oats there, buddy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it, those are the sounds that they make when they're around a hot cow. So to sell that, you've got to be able to mimic that, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. And that that's and and actually, those are the easier calls to mimic. To 100%. Make, you know, so that's something that that for guys to think about. Okay, so you're in your setup, man, and all of a sudden you see him. He's coming in, right? The first thing you're thinking is, is like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? So when you see that bull coming in, and you see that what what should you do? What just you wait, do just wait, point? wait for the right moment. Okay, so what else should you be doing at that time so that you're just not sitting there getting the verilakes, man? There has to be a mental thought process. And and I'll tell you, as soon as I see a bull coming in, what are you doing, Gilbert? As soon as you see a bull coming, what are you looking for? I'm looking for a kill. I'm looking, looking exactly where I want to shoot him. Where am I going to shoot him in the lane that I'm going to shoot him in? There you go. When he when he pops out there, I know, okay, he's 35, 38 yards, and I'm gonna kill him right there. I mean, I'm gonna draw. When I make when I think I'm gonna kill the bull, I'm gonna draw. And and I draw the bow, damn be him running, bolting, whatever, and I'll stop him, and my collar will stop him. And when he does, we're gonna pick that spot. But I've been looking at that spot while he's walking in on me or running in. And and, and, and I, look, and let the it other go. thing is, man, is you got to look at every possible shooting lane opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So well, as soon as I, I'm, you know, as soon as I'm doing, I'm assessing the field of view. So as soon as I get there, man, I'm looking. All right, I'm looking where he's at. Yes. I'm looking at the vegetation. Is he on a trail? Which direction can he go? Is there a tree in his way? Is he going to cut to the right? Yeah. Is he going to cut to the left? If he goes to the right, what's my shooting lane? If he goes, if you start thinking about that, all that assessment, yeah. you get over all of that stuff about. Oh, I got a bull coming in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You're, you're preparing yourself. His behavior. Yeah. Where are his ears pointed? Where is you know? How fast is he coming in? Um, is he is he gonna make you know like you said is gonna make a turn Uh, am i comfortable with the distances what are my obstacles if i want want to take a shot on a specific lane and where is the wind going to where i know just like Manano had to do, he knew he had to take a shot, yeah. even though it's slightly quartering towards, yeah, because he, he knew if that bull about, would have made another step, yeah, it would have smelled him. Assessing. Just about to cross my wind. Do I have, do I have to turn my body more? Do I have to change yeah. my feet in my shooting position? Yeah. And I'm looking, where am I going to pull out? What position is going to be my pull? You know, yeah. you've got to assess the whole field thing quickly. in front of you. Quickly. Yeah. You have to and assess you know, when, Go ahead, Beto. Go ahead, Manano. No, you have to assess the whole field that that's that's right and and i always try to do and what i do first be even even before the wind because because i supposed to know the wind yeah, when i got to my position already we yeah. should have done that yes but i check with my range all the possible situations Lanes. scenarios yeah. i range all the all the time that's what i first well, this right is my first checklist yeah man you got to do that and then i focus on myself don't make a mistake yeah just check the arrow check the the d loop check i mean everything that you can so make a mistake process. Of. yes yes and okay. then i i uh i analyze it the, the odds i mean he will be coming to this trail or to other trail because you can change based on the situation yep. you yep. can adapt to the situation but That's you right. cannot cover your mistake while you're in a full draw 
Yeah, so, no doubt. And you know, when Joe called the bull in for me last year, he said, run down there and kill that bull. <laughs> Go down there yeah. and kill that bull. And man, I just bailed off. Run down to the side <laughs> of the You scared a couple of bulls. Yeah, I did. And then the you bulls went were down standing and... right in front of me, and I didn't even yeah. know they were there. The bulls blow up, and Manano is on my heels. And, and, the, and the bull that Joe's calling to is screaming bloody murder. I can see his feet, and he's walking to my left. And I'm and he's downhill from me. I mean, straight down the hill. And I look, and I see his feet coming, and I pick my rangefinder up. And I'm like, if he keeps on in this in this direction, he's gonna walk out. I, the furthest I could see was 64 yards, and the closest in there was 48 to 49. I'm like, well, he's gonna walk right in that window. Either way, that I can use my 50 yard pin really my 40 yard pan and I'm going to smoke either bull, any bull that walks in that window. I knew that. So I'd already picked that up, put my range finder up. I'm looking and the bull starts walking. Joe's calling the bull starts walking. I draw immediately bull stops and like, um, what, what, what did you, what did you say to your inside your mind, Beto, when the I, bull I just, I could not believe the bull stopped. The bull stopped right where I needed him to. Cause another step and he's, his kill zones covered, right? Covered, he stopped. Yeah. And when, it, when, when the pin settled, I mean, it was done, son. I, <laughs> you let it go and you didn't even know that you assessed all of that stuff. I heard, I, I heard when he crashed. I, I called at him as soon as he shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so well, hey, that's a great point, Beto. Your elevation with regards to your target, it's imp it's an important assessment to make. For sure. A mistake that I've also uh, made in the past, you know, and, uh, you know, because you don't, you don't realize that you're way higher in elevation than your target and that it impacts your, your distance or your pin. I put my 40 yard pin on that bull. That bull is 50. Two fifty-three yards, something like. I put my forty-yards in. Slightly on. higher, you thought you did anyway. Yeah, yeah. If you if if the bull is within thirty-five yards, he's done. Yeah. Even though you use the twenty or thirty pin, he's done. Yeah. 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 I mean, you guys gotta like Joe said, y'all gotta go through that. But it, you won't get all crazy if you get a checklist in your mind of what. Yeah, to, that's what, what I go through. You know, I, I even tell I myself. And through that checklist, it's just like, okay, now that everything else has been thought through, calm yourself down, breathe, yeah. everything's going to be okay. I, 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 use, I use that checklist to calm myself. Yeah, That's true. what I, I yeah. go over and, and, and just check the arrow, check the knock, uh, distance, uh, my position, and, and that's helped me with the virulacus. Yeah. And that's and what I was saying. Tell, instead tell of just focusing on the too. animal, you, you, you go through all of your stuff to assess the situation and it becomes more of a natural. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's just something that you always do. So that you're thinking about that instead of just going, Oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. Here yeah. comes a boy. And, and look at it. I like, it's happened to me a lot. Mm -hmm. Barring, barring, uh, the identification of being a legal animal. Sure. Okay. So obviously that's the first thing, you know, is that, is that my target is a legal animal? Great. You know, but when you already know that's the case, it's happened to me with, you know, with hogs, with deer and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't even detail the animal uh, until 
like I, I found myself surprised when I walk up to the animals, like, Oh, wow. It wasn't didn't even know he looked it, like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, because I'm not, I'm not counting the points. I'm not, if again, if I have to, because it makes the animal illegal or legal, I will. Right. But if I don't, that's something I'm not going to focus on. Yeah. And you know, and, Joe, uh, it's I'm happened sorry. to me a lot. I want our listeners to know too. know what 40 yards looks like. No, get, get familiar with what 40 and in looks like. Cause I'm telling you, it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. You're going to, you're going to rely a lot less on your rangefinder. and guys don't take the shot. If you don't know the distance, because you're just going to end up aggravated and, and let down. If you got, these are big animals and you're shooting through some narrow corridors at times and things will appear further or closer than they, than they really are. I mean, Brendan will tell you he shot at a bull that he thought was his rangefinder told him was 40 yards. That bull was 70 something yards, you know, <laughs> and he shot under him by 30 yards, man. Yeah. But he said he looked a whole lot closer than he was. Well, that's the deal, man. You got to get used to getting out there and doing your homework on what 40 yards looks like, whether 40 yards through the bushes or 40 yards, you know, that's out in front of you. If y'all will do that, it'll cut your learning curve in half when it comes to yeah. distance. Yeah. You know, my, my old hunting partner would, he had a uh, Matthews, but it's, it, it's the single limb bow. But what he did is he taped, uh, he had, he, on his, on the inside of that bow, he would tape his checklist. Like he had yeah. four things and he'd always be looking at it. Like, and he, and he was always very calm. He was a killing machine, man. That's I mean, really I helpful, that's, though. What's that? That's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you look just... on the inside of my limb, it says pick a spot. Oh, does it really? Yeah. <laughs> pick a spot. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I, never mind. I, I was, I was going to say something stupid. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Hey, we're, we're not going to You're not in our league, Joe. You can't compare yourself <laughs> with our league. So, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't say good, Joe. Well, it we're we're on the two hour mark, man. This has been incredible. This has been a great. I mean, we spent a lot of time with the boys on the front we end, did. but we did, I tell you what, sure. I I wouldn't have traded that for anything. But I think we just gave a ton of content. I hope we've answered it is a, a lot of, of, of questions on a lot of small things during the setup, so that people have some of that. And then next week, man, when we do it, we're talking about. What those things, those questions, those things you think about when he is coming into a into range, okay? And then he's in range and it's go time, you know. So that's where we're going next. We're gonna we're gonna toy with that, and then you know the last part of it is going to be the shot and where we're at. And I'm not sure how all this is going to flow in. I'm not sure if it's going to be two, three. I mean, we just went for two hours on this one. This could have been two podcasts on this one right here. But it was great conversation. It was great things. And and I we could go longer, but uh, uh, but the prison is called and his uh, visitation rights are over. <laughs> He's got to get back, man. And, uh, you know, we Bobby don't... and Jason, we will get to you guys next week, brothers. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get uh, we'll get our Elbros mailbox in uh, next week, man. Some good questions out there too. All right, for real, for real. Yep. Joe, as always, man, fantastic content. 
Guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcast or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners out there would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, Husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Yes, yes, yes. And here he is again, finishing off the show, our brother Tony Wintrip, bringing you the tunes. Good night. Peace, peace. Thank you, Tony. I got my rigging pants on. Romeo's walking out to my Chevy. It's always honking at me. Knows when it's Friday night, calling booze cruising. My cooler in the back, baby in the front. My buddy and his wife are all cuddled up in the back seat. Should have been a cowboy playing. Popping that top on the old gravel road.
where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.